0: When I talk about discipleship, when I talk about our call to grow as disciples, to exist as disciples of Jesus Christ, when I remind us that that is our mission, that is our purpose as believers, when I talk about discipleship, I'm afraid that most of us think about a duty. I'm afraid most of us think about an effort that is done In a strain, we think about things, more things to get done, added to the list of things we already are not getting done. And I think we view discipleship as a burden. I think most of us, when I say discipleship, that's how we picture discipleship. Well, did you know that's not what Jesus intended? Now, he does expect us to follow him as disciples. He does expect us to be growing As disciples, yes, we do exist as disciples, but he intended it to be a great joy. In fact, he intended it to be a radical joy. He envisioned following him to be a thrill, to be a deep gladness, and he planned for his disciples to be people of joy. Listen to this tonight. Today, people are not full of joy because they are not existing as disciples. And disciples are not joyful because they've misunderstood true discipleship. Now, let me say that to you again tonight. Today, people are not full of joy because they are not existing as disciples. And disciples are not joyful because they've misunderstood true discipleship. Now, what I mean by Lost people can't find joy, and somehow today, saved people have lost it. Well, I want to tell you, the answer for both of those is to walk with Jesus. For the lost person, it is to find and to walk with Jesus. For the disciple, for those that have trusted Jesus, it is to draw close and to walk with Jesus. Tonight, our message is entitled, Full Joy, Full Joy. Tonight, we're in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11, full joy. I'm going to ask if you would, if you would stand with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. John chapter 15, beginning in the first verse, Jesus is speaking. He says this, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches." He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11 These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made. Full. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come tonight, we're thankful for this night. We're thankful for this opportunity. We do not overlook it. We're thankful for the opportunity to come and to, to, to join together and to praise you and to worship you. And I pray that's our hearts tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for your word that we have, that we hold, that we study tonight. I pray that you would speak to us that we would hear your voice tonight, that we would be encouraged and comforted, led, directed through your word. Lord, I pray that, that it would truly be, as we've been saying, a, a supernatural event, not not a lecture, not a thing to pass through, not, not a, a passing on of information, but a, a time when we hear the voice of our God. Lord, I pray the fruit of that is, again, that you would be known, that you'd be glorified, that the lost world, that they might hear that they might listen in and they would hear of our Savior, Jesus. And that tonight, this very night, might be the night of their salvation. Lord, we come and we just tell you we love you tonight. We worship you tonight. We exalt you and we hold up your name. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Have you noticed how bitter the world is lately? How, how foul people are, how mean people are as you look around and watch, watch the world today. If you notice how mean people are, I was watching a video recently of a professional baseball game. Uh, in the video, it was a great day for a baseball game. The sun was out, it was a great afternoon. Uh, it was a great game that was going on. There were hot dogs and, and cotton candy. The stands were full. There were kids there. They had their baseball gloves on and, and people with their favorite jerseys and they were cheering. And it was a great day for this baseball game. And on this video, there's some lady and she starts yelling at a man. Evidently he was yelling for the other team. I don't know what had gone on, but she starts yelling at this man. So the man punches the lady. This man, he wears back and he punches the lady. And so a man with the lady hits a man with that man. He doesn't hit the man that hit the lady. He hits a man standing beside that man. And so it starts a melee. Two other guys jump their seats and one of them hits another man. One of them shoves the lady, the original lady. People start throwing their Cokes, their hot dogs, $12 each, $14 each. They come wailing in on them. The police came, the security came, and they took them all away. I was watching that video. I just kept thinking, at a game? At a game. This happens at a game. That is is our world. I don't know what's wrong with it. It it is mad. It is bitter. And here's the crazy thing. That's normal. It's, It's crazy, but it's normal for the lost world. What's absurd is when that takes hold in believers. When we become mean, when we become unforgiving, we become upset as believers. Friends, listen very carefully tonight. We are to be people not of anger, not of resentment, not of, of stewing bitterness. We as followers of Jesus Christ are to be a joyful people. We are to be a joyful people. Well, tonight Jesus in our verses, is going to tell us how. How we can exist as believers in this world as joyful people. Now, I'm going to start with verse 11, and then we're going to go back and look at the preceding verses, the verses ahead of it. But I'm going to start tonight with verse 11. Let's begin there. Here we go. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be made full. Jesus says here in verse 11, he has told them these preceding things so that his joy, my joy, may be in you. He's saying that so they may possess the joy of Jesus. Now think about that. The actual joy of Jesus. Can you imagine? And that your joy may be made full. The word joy translates in the original language, full of cheer. Not sour, not foul, full of cheer. Another definition is delighted. What a great word that is, delighted. Exceedingly glad. That's another definition. Exceedingly glad. Jesus says that my joy, that your joy may be made full. Now, the word for full, again in the original language, means full but still filling. Now that's kind of a weird word, isn't it? it? It translates another definition a flood. It means abundant to overflowing. And so it gets full, but the abundance is so much that it begins overflowing. Another definition is complete. Now, I want you to think about that tonight. Jesus, hours before the cross, says that he intends the life of a believer, of a disciple, to be full of cheer to be exceedingly glad, to be a flood of joy. Think about that. He wants our lives to be overflowing with a flood of joy. Believers are to be joyful. Now, maybe we should put the word out. Maybe we should make a special announcement on Sunday. Maybe we should get a committee together, call it the Joy Committee because we're Baptists. Jesus says, it's okay to be glad. He says, in fact, he desires it. He wants his people to be full of cheer. Now, here's the weird thing. Do you know what he says brings that? And this is the weird thing. If you, if you look at it, do you know what he says brings joy in his people? It's not never having problems. It, it's not health, wealth, and prosperity. That's not what he says. It's not escaping the hardships of life. That's not what he says. No, he says we find joy in truly living as a disciple. That's what he says. We find joy in the process of discipleship. And we think, what? That's a burden. How can there be joy there? That's a duty. How is there joy in living as a disciple? He says we find our joy as believers in actually living as a true disciple. Now that's what Jesus says. And so let's see it play out. Verse 11 again. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. All right, going back to verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Now, this is the final I am statement of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of John. There's been seven of them. This is the seventh statement. In John chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. In John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. John chapter 10, I am the door of the sheep. John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And now in John chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. Now understand tonight, in the Old Testament, Israel was symbolically referred to as the vine or as a vine. And you can go back and look, there's several... Verse references uh, referring to Israel symbolically as a vine. Now, however, they as a vine only produced either no fruit or bad fruit, rotten fruit. Being in Israel, being in that vine produced no fruit. And so Jesus now here says, I am the true vine. I am the vine. Now think about that for a second. The vine is the source of life. The vine is the source of strength. The vine is what sustains the branches. That's the reality. That's the picture he's painting. It is the vine that sustains the branches. Well, Jesus uses that picture. He says, I am the true vine. He says, my father is the vine dresser, meaning my father is the gardener. He is the, he is the one that tends the vineyard. He is the vine dresser. Verse two, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear much fruit. Now listen, that's the work of the father, not my work. Not the church's work, that's what the Father does. Every branch in in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. The vine dresser, the one that tends the vineyard, he would come along and as he he checked on the plant, if, if the branch or it had a branch that was dead, he would cut it off and he would remove it. It served no purpose. It would produce no fruit. It was a dead branch, and so he would cut it off and he would take it away. However, if it did produce fruit, if it was alive, he would prune it so it would bear more fruit. He would remove the unproductive parts. He would cut it back so it would be ready to produce more fruit. Now, the Greek word here, For prunes, he pruned it, he prunes it, actually translates, he cleanses it or he cleans it. And so what he's doing here is he is cleaning up the plant, he is pruning the plant so it would be more productive. So see this, the test of discipleship, and we're going to see it all the way through these verses, is bearing fruit. The test of discipleship is bearing fruit. How do you know a disciple of Jesus Christ? It is in the bearing of fruit. Now, I want you to be sure of this, understand this. There is no such thing, according to the Bible, according to Christ himself, as a fruitless disciple of Jesus. That's hard. That's tough. We like to make excuses. We like to give reasons why. The, the testimony of Scripture is there is no such thing as a fruitless disciple of Jesus Christ. The test is fruitfulness. Now be sure and hear me. We're not saved by bearing fruit, but because we are saved, we do bear fruit. All right, verse three. Now, verse three is a great verse. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Here in verse 3, the word for clean, listen to this, is the exact same word for prunes in verse 2. And so what it is saying is you are already cleaned up, you are already pruned, Jesus says, because of the word, Which I have spoken. Now remember, the pruning was the removing of the things that would hinder the fruit production. That's what the pruning was. The pruning was the removal of the things that would slow the fruit production. These were the things that could not stay if the vine, if the branches were gonna produce fruit. And so notice here in verse three, Jesus says, You are cleaned already, you are pruned already because of his word, because of the things he has spoken. I want you to be sure of this, and you've heard this before, we're going to hear it again. It is the word of God that shapes us, that grows us, that prepares us, that prunes us, that cleans us up for Christian life. It is the word of God. That's what he says. You've been pruned already because of the words that I have spoken. Listen, the way that we grow and produce and thrive as disciples of Jesus Christ is to be in the word of God. You cannot, will not grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ apart from being in the word of God. It's not negotiable. Now, the truth is this, the flip side of that. And you will continue to bear more fruit the more time you spend in the Word of God. That's what that's saying. The more you spend time in the Word of God, the more fruit you will bear. All right, verse four. Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me verse 5 with it I am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and I in him he bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing the word abide here it means to remain to stay or here's my favorite one to be present with, to stay with, to remain with, to stay present with. Jesus says, as a disciple, we must abide in him. We must stay with him. We must be present with him. The branch alone is nothing. The branch alone can do nothing. Now think about that. If you have a pecan tree in your backyard and you go out there to your pecan tree and you find a branch and the branch is, is big and it's fruitful and got pecans all over it last year and you take that branch and you break it off or you cut it off, that branch is done. Yeah, but I remember when that br- that branch is done. That branch will bear no more fruit. We have to remain in Christ, we have to be present in Christ. Let me tell you something. Today, the church has become a mess by allowing people to think. In fact, I'll just go ahead and say by teaching people to think that you can receive Jesus and you can you can believe in Jesus and somehow not be in Jesus. And that's what we've taught in the church. I don't know how long we've been teaching that, but we teach folks, you know what? If you'll just get saved, if you'll just settle that, there's nothing more to think about. You're going to heaven. We've got that situated, and then we just go back to the world. Well, listen to me. Discipleship, the fruit of being saved, is being in Jesus, walking with Jesus, knowing and growing in the truth of Jesus. Here's an important question. What is the fruit? That's an important question. We're to bear fruit. Verse two says more fruit. Verse five says much fruit. We're to bear fruit. What is the fruit? Now, I'll just tell you, there's a lot of answers given. Now, there are a lot of lists. Now, the folks have made that these are the fruit. I saw one this afternoon. Here are seven things that are entailed in the fruit. Another one, here are seven things, eight things that are entailed in the fruit. Good works, obedience, people getting saved, leading people to Christ. Now, those are pieces, but I want you to see this. Listen very carefully. It is the substance of the vine that flows through the branches. Hear that again. It is the substance of the vine that flows through the branches. And so, very simply, if Jesus is the vine, it is Christ that flows through the branches, and so Christ's likeness is the fruit. Do you understand that? If, if Jesus is the vine, he's the substance that flows through the branches, and so Christ's likeness. Is the fruit. The fruit that we, the branches, are growing in is Christ likeness. Now, what that means is once you put your faith in Jesus Christ, once you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, we are loving like Christ. We are holy like Christ. We're reaching out to the lost like Christ. We are kind, we're humble like Christ. We're joyful, we're fair, we're just. Like Christ. Christ's likeness is the fruit. Verse 2 says it should be increasing. Verse 5 says it should be increasing. News flash tonight. Big deal tonight. Here's the big deal Christians are to be growing in Christ's likeness. That's the deal. Christians are to be growing in Christ likeness period. Well, do we need, a, we need a program about that? Do we need a curriculum about that? Do we need to undertake a study about that? Do we need a $99 a person ladies weekend that simulcast about that? No, listen to me. Here's the truth. Christians are to be growing in Christ likeness. Well That seems pretty simple. It is simple. That doesn't seem like we ought to have to sell a whole bunch of books about it. No, Christians are to be growing in Christ's likeness. That's what Jesus says. Now, here's the cool thing. If we will abide, it happens. Do you know that? If we'll abide in Christ, it happens. If we will actually abide in Christ, I'll promise you the reality is you'll become more like Christ. And you'll be more like Christ this month than you were three months ago if you're actually abiding. And you'll be more like Christ this year than you were three years ago if you're actually abiding. And you'll be more like Christ this year than you were 30 years ago if you're actually abiding. When we abide, we become more like Christ and the truth is, Christians are to be growing in Christ-likeness. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away. Wow. As a branch and dries up and they gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. There's a whole bunch of folks that try to explain this away. They try to do all sorts of gymnastics to make it nicer than it is. Here's what it says. If anyone does not abide in me, He is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. In John's day, with a distorted idea of Jesus, and with a distorted idea of the gospel, there were people professing to be believers, but they were not. Now, the reason is they didn't know the truth. They'd changed the definition of who Jesus is. They'd changed the definition of the gospel. And so they're in the church and they're saying, yes, we're believers. Yes, we follow Jesus. But they didn't follow Jesus. They weren't abiding in him because they didn't know him. Let me tell you something. It's the same today. If you do not know the truth of Jesus, and if you do not know the truth of the gospel of Jesus, You may think you're saved. You may have a whole bunch of similar words and you may be able to say those words, but you're not abiding in the vine. And the warning is, those not in the vine are dead. They're spiritually dead. And they will be gathered up for an eternal judgment. That is the truth. That is the terrible reality. Listen very carefully. And this verse is not there to kick them. This verse is not there to laugh at them. This verse is there that they would be warned. This verse is there that they would believe. You see, the goal is always belief. That's why the warning is here. The goal is that they would turn, and they would see, and they would repent, and they would believe. That's the heart of our Savior Jesus, who so loves. And so he's not kicking them while they're down. The goal is that in the warning they would realize and they would turn in belief. Listen to me tonight. If you're hearing this and you're not growing in Christ's likeness, and if you're not abiding in the vine, and if you do not know Jesus, his heart for you tonight in love is that you believe. His heart for you is that you believe. Verse 7. Jesus goes on, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Now, he has said this before when he's explaining prayer to us, if we are driven by the word of God and if our will is in line with the will of God, we can pray in confidence. That's what this verse is saying. You know what? I'm in line with the word of God. My will is in line with the will of God. I can pray and God will hear and God will answer. Verse eight. My father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Verse 8 says, The Father is glorified in disciples that are growing as disciples. He is glorified in disciples that are growing in Christ's likeness. That is pleasing to him. Now again it says, This is the proof of a person that is saved. They are bearing fruit and it is evident. Verse 9. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. Jesus reminds them, we are so loved by the Father. They were, we are, and by the Son. Now, I want to hold up right here for just a second. I don't know if I've said this in a while, but friend, I want us to be very certain tonight. You are, you are right now so loved by God. I want you to hear that. That's the theme of this whole book. I want you to know right now you are so loved. By God, And I don't care how you got in here today and you think, well, he's mad at me. He's upset about this. He's written me off. I've gone too far. I want you to understand tonight, right now, you are so loved by God. And I don't have to flinch to tell you that. I don't have to be embarrassed that that somehow hurts the character of God to tell you that. You are so loved by God. That's what he says himself right now. You're loved by God. And so Jesus says, so stay in my love. That's what he says. So remain in my love. Abide, that's what it means. Abide in my love. Now, how do we do that? Watch this, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in the his love. Now, that verse could be distorted. It could be misunderstood as, as having to earn his love. That's not what it's talking about. If you keep my commandments, you will stay, abide in my love, just as I've kept my Father's command, commandments and abide in his love. Now, remember we saw this a couple nights ago. The Father and the Son love us through the word of God. Now, we, we find their love. It's revealed to us, but they actually love us Through the word of God. It's one of the ways that God loves us. They protect us through the word of God. They encourage us through the word of God. They correct us through the word of God. They talk to us. We hear their voice through the word of God. And so if you stay in his word, you will stay in his love. That's that's tremendous. We go through life half the time saying, I don't know where I'm at. I don't know where I stand with God. Sometimes I can't feel his love. Listen, friend, if you'll abide in his word, stay in his word, word, you'll know his love. All right, back to verse 11. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Jesus says, these things I've spoken that you will have joy and that your joy will be made full. Now listen, if if you're here tonight and you want to walk in joy, if if you want to be filled with cheer, if you want to be flooded over, running over in joy, these are the things that bring joy. And so you're here tonight and you say, you know what, I want to walk in joy. I want to get up with a spring in my step. I want to go to work with a smile on my face. I want to be flooded over, running over with with cheer and gladness. I want that in my life. Here are the things that bring joy. We're going to close after this. Here they are. First is this. There is joy in bearing fruit. There is joy in bearing fruit, growing in Christ's likeness. There is joy in being in Christ's love. There is joy. You want to know joy? There's joy in being in Christ's love. How do you know you're in Christ's love? You stay in his word. Third thing is this. There is joy in living by God's word. I don't know how many times we're going to keep hearing that. He's not trying to whip us. He's not trying to kick us. He's not trying to steal all of our fun. There is joy in actually living according to the word of God. It is not a duty, it is not drudgery. He's not trying to rob all your fun away from you. There is joy in saying, "Thus saith the Lord, and I'm living according to his word." Verse four, the fourth thing is this. There is joy in bringing glory to God. We're so selfish it's about me and about my needs and about my reputation and my glory. And We go through life and we can't find happiness. We can't find true joy. Listen, there is true joy in bringing glory to God. Folks, friends, aren't you tired of bitter? And aren't you tired of mad? And aren't you tired of grudges and trudging through life, just, just trying, to you know, if I can make Christmas, if I can just make it a spring, just plodding through the days of life, grinding it out, aren't you tired of that? There is true joy in living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. There is joy tonight in Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and, and we're so thankful tonight that you tell us walking as a disciple, living as a disciple, it's not a burden. You're not trying to crush us. There's joy in it. There's happiness in it. There's cheer in it. Lord, I, I pray for a generation that exists in a hostile, aggressive, hateful world. That we would see the joy that there is in walking as a disciple. Lord, help us in that. Encourage us in that. Lord, drive us to your word. Let us know and feel your love as we spend time in it. Bless us through it. Lord, I'm thankful that there is joy. I pray that we would grow in our joy as we walk closer to you. I pray that would be the fruit of tonight. Lord, I pray for somebody that doesn't know you. I pray for somebody that's maybe here, maybe listening somewhere, they have no joy. In fact, they think there is no joy. I pray, Lord, that in the hearing of the good news of a risen Savior, the hearing of the gospel, hearing of a Savior that brings and gives joy, that tonight they might turn and trust you. Lord, I pray that any hindrance to that would be removed. I pray that they would understand the good news of the gospel. And tonight would be the day of their salvation. Lord, I pray to be also for your glory. Lord, we're thankful for these verses. We're thankful for the opportunity to hear your voice. I pray, Lord, that our response would bring much glory to you, that you'd be known through it. We love you, and we thank you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close our service tonight with a time of invitation, a time of response. And I want to tell you tonight the good news of the gospel is this. We have a Savior tonight. We have a Savior tonight. When the world has no hope, we have hope. When the world has no peace, can't even offer it. We have peace in Jesus, and tonight we have joy in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says we have a sin problem. We are sinners, all of us. The Bible says in our sin, we've earned the punishment, death, separation from God for eternity. I believe we know it, we feel it, we try to replace it with things and situations. We have no hope, we have no peace. We know we're separated from a holy God. The Bible says that God so loves us, and that's what this is about. He so loves you that he sends his one and only son, his only begotten son. He comes, he lives a life he never sins. Because he never sins, he goes to the cross carrying our sin. He's able to as the perfect lamb because he never sinned. He goes to the cross of Calvary. There he pays for it. There it's settled in him. He pays for it in his death with his own blood. They take him off the cross. They put him in a grave. And three days later, he walks out of the grave and he stands as the risen Savior. The payment is received, it's paid, and he stands as the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the hope for sinners. The Bible says if we will trust him, turn to him as our Savior, we shall be, will be saved. If you've never trusted Christ tonight, trust him tonight, turn to him tonight. He will save you tonight. If you're here, you're listening and you've, You've trusted in Christ, but you've never followed in believer's baptism. I want to encourage you as well to step out and say, "What I want to follow in believer's baptism. I want that testimony to stand in my life, a celebration of what we believe of Jesus, not part of our salvation, but pointing to our Savior of that salvation. You come as well. We'll set a date. It'll be a great day of celebration, a great day of testimony. If you're looking for a church home and you prayed about it, you believe God has led you here, you come as well. Together we'll serve for his glory, upholding his word until he comes again. Maybe on this Wednesday night you want to come pray at an altar. Maybe you want to come pray with me. Maybe you want to pray for this effort that God will take it, multiply it, and bless it. I'm going to ask that no one would would stir about, no one would head for an exit. You pray for those who are making decisions. We'll be done in just a moment. As we stand to sing, if God has spoken to you, if you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on, I'll meet you here.